a company called Paragraph, founded by Stepan Pachikov, who then went on to found Evernote when he came to the U.S. In this case, I had introduced him to Bill Gates and Steve Jobs at my conference. So he called me up and he said, Esther, lawyer will call. He will give you 1% the company who signs the documents, yes? Welcome to The Syndicate, the podcast about the investors behind the overnight successes. It takes years, it takes money. On this show, we interview the top angel investors, venture capitalists, and startups to share what it really takes to succeed with startup investing. I'm your host, Matt Ward, and I'm a serial entrepreneur and angel investor. And I believe startups are the future, and angel investing is the best way to build real true wealth. To find out more about us and join our syndicate on AngelList, please visit thesyndicate.vc. But now, let's get on with the show. Hey guys, welcome back to The Syndicate, the show where we have awesome investors like Esther Dyson on. Today we've got Esther. Esther is an incredible investor with experience, 23andMe, Flickr, Factual. She's at the Meetup headquarters now. They just got acquired. She's a board member and she has a really interesting industry experience. So thanks for coming to the program today, Esther. Delighted to be here. I found the hardest things to do is do a good introduction. So tell me a little bit more about yourself. Thank you. Yeah. Well, my introduction usually depends on who I'm talking to because I was at basically a tech analyst with a newsletter and a conference for 25 years. I was on Wall Street. I wrote for Forbes magazine for three years, and I'm still an acolyte in the holy religion of truth, though not necessarily the church of media. I'm an angel investor still, and I'm a nonprofit founder, and that's now my day job, something called Wellville. You have a so really I'm pretty hard to, Yeah. Oh, and I trained as a cosmonaut for six months. Yeah, I saw that. So were you trying to go to space or was that just to complete the training? So it was, I bought the training. That was what I wanted. I also had a lottery ticket attached, which was I might go to space. And at some point, I still plan to. But the it wasn't like, oh, I didn't get to go to space. So it was a waste. It was more like, it was a really amazing six months. And I learned a ton that is still with me. But no, I did not get to go to space on that one. So if Elon's looking for an awesome astronaut that can probably pay for a ticket, you might be the first one he should call. I can't quite pay his price. It's upwards of $40 million. Ooh, so. $40 million, That's tough. Yeah. If you look at how much they've brought their cost down, it's very interesting, just with the vertical takeoff and landing. They're doing a good job, but they're still so far to go. Yeah. Well, the cost is down if you're sending stuff that you can lose, like things, experiments, uh, provisions people. for the space station. With people, it's, it's still, I mean, the actual stuff you need is a lot more complicated, which is part of what we learned in our training. It was kind of half space medicine, half space plumbing, but there's also just more risk aversion. So you're, it's a lot more complicated. It always is. And that's what I want to talk a little bit about. So as an investor, you've invested across a, a pretty broad range. What was your thesis investing? And are you still angel investing? I'm, yeah, angel investing. I'm, I'm not doing big things. I'm doing mostly angel. I mean, it's always only my money. The great thing about angel investing is you're, you don't need to say sorry to anyone but yourself. Uh, so forgive me, forgot the first part of the question. No worries. What, uh, what industries do you focus on? What's your, what's oh, your yeah. thesis? Um, my thesis is don't be redundant. Look at interesting new business models and whatever it is, look at the business model. There are so many things now that don't really have a business model and be useful. Yeah, so I, I just fundamentally don't do, obviously, drugs and alcohol. I don't really do you know, clothes, fashion, gadgets, partly because most of them are redundant. And partly, you know, I just like doing things that I think are fundamentally useful, that, will, that have long-term value rather than kind of short-term consumption value. 
Do you think too many VCs miss on this? They go for the shitty, let's just build it for no social purpose. Like if you look in the past, kids aspired to be astronauts. They wanted to go on the moon and now they aspire to get the next iPhone. Yeah. Well, I, I don't think they've already got the next iPhone. They just, I, it's, the world needs that stuff. I'm just not particularly interested in being part of what I think is fundamentally a market that's working fine, that doesn't really need me. I'm more interested in things that probably would not exist or would not exist as soon if I weren't there pushing them along. Like so, yeah, it's not that I, yeah, I mean, they were, they were doing fine without me. That I did mostly, and I'm still involved, because I thought I would learn a ton. And you know, if you're not going to learn something, so the great thing is you can learn something even or maybe especially when you lose money. You're not going to learn a lot by investing in a cosmetics company that's competing with another cosmetics company on the basis of marketing. Yeah. So there's always a value if you do it right, even when you lose money. And in a sense, angel investing is, is a great form of education. Some people consider it the value. Some people consider it a byproduct and some people don't actually learn much. Plus the network is incredible. So for people like me, I get to meet people like you significantly more experienced. And I imagine that's been a big part of your success because you have had so many wins. What would you attribute that to? Luck. Luck. I love it. Everyone says luck, especially the great ones. Yeah. Well, luck plus, you know, playing, playing often enough that you'll get some of that luck. You know, being lucky one time is very rare. So you're, you're being, definitely on the, oh, go ahead. Yeah. Being lucky when you keep trying again and again and again, and you don't put too much into any single thing that that's pretty predictable. So you'd lean more towards a portfolio or an index type approach, like a, a YC at no, Techstars? No, not. What you're trying to do is cut the bottom off. So it's not an index. It's don't do the things that are fundamentally... I mean, number one, if I had a lot more money, then I would have to allocate it more carefully. But there's always going to be more opportunities than I have money to invest in. So you know, just cut the bottom off. Things I'm not interested in. Things where I don't like the founder. Things where it's redundant. And so you get left... Ideally, you get left with sort of the top end, and then your percentage is higher. You know, you got to be pretty good at getting rid of the bottom ones. But you, know, you also have to understand that missing X, you're missing opportunities all the time in your life. That's kind of the reality of things. So you need to calm down about that and go after the things where you feel personally, wow, you know, even if this thing doesn't work out, I like the founder. I like what they're trying to do. I believe in the business model. I've done that a couple of times with sender pays recipient charges email. Uh, most recently with a wonderful company called Civil Comments that used crowdsourcing to moderate comments. That you know, these, are, these are business models that I still believe in, even though the individual companies may not have worked out. Do you have a thesis like that where you see startups and I want to see this in the world and you try to encourage them to come to you or you actively seek out company X for Y doing Z? Not a lot because I get so much stuff anyway, but I think people know, people send me stuff that they think is weird sometimes. <laughs> And sometimes it is weird. Sometimes it's actually really amazing. Weird is good. Contrarians where the money is typically. Yeah. Talk to me about some hard bets you've had to make. Oh, um, the hardest is usually re-upping in something I believe in that isn't going well. Because then you know, you've already gotten warning signals and you need to know whether to pay attention to them and bail or whether you're helping somebody through a valley. So the, the very first company I was ever involved with, not as an investor, but as a junior analyst, was federal. They, I don't know the details and they're findable, but it was something like their third or fourth round. It was a huge down round. You could buy all of FedEx for $15 million. And you know, I was the analyst watching this sort of happen. And then they shipped their first packages that first week. They were like, 
I don't know, 10 Monday night, 15 Tuesday night, then Thursday night was a blowout with 50 packages or something like that. But you could have had the whole thing for 15 million and not right at the beginning, but when it was actually sort of built out, but losing money like crazy. So you never know, is, is this Federal Express in that down round or is it you know, just a long slide to bottom? Yeah, the bridge to nowhere question. Yeah. You, um, when did you first put on the investor hat? So you were an analyst, you were looking at a lot of this, and I imagine you yeah. were very involved in the industry. I was, and I, you know, I had a conference with Bill Gates and Steve Jobs and so forth. But analyst, I was actually a journalist writing a newsletter or editing it when a few other people wrote it. So, you know, fundamentally conflict of interest, I wasn't investing. Then I had a second newsletter I started. The first one was called Release 1.0, and the second was called Rel East, which was about Eastern Europe. And this was in the, the 90s. And a friend of mine said, you keep telling people they should invest in the East European computer market. And suppose I gave you a million dollars. Would you invest it for me? And I said, no, no, I can't. I'm a juror. What? A million dollars? Let's figure this out. So I shut down the newsletter. And it was a little more complicated than that. But I realized the newsletter was not making money. And it was essentially a vehicle for me to go talk to people and have them be willing to spend time with me because I would write about them. And I thought, hmm. If I invest in these companies, they'll talk to me too, and they might even take my advice. So I started a fund called Adventure Ventures, which focused on Central and Eastern Europe. And this, and I made a few investments on my own in Russia because this partner wasn't really comfortable with Russia. And I discovered I really liked it. And yes, I, I could still go there as often as before. So that's how I started. And then ultimately, I brought in other people to write the newsletter, did some careful, fully disclosed angel investing. And then I sold the newsletter in 2005 to CNET. And they closed, the thing closed down in 2007. Every Uh, time. Yeah. Well, the person who was behind it went to run Obama's campaign in Kentucky or something. So anyway, so I was then free and uh, became a full-time angel investor. So I want to jump back to something you said earlier. You said you didn't want to invest because you would have a conflict of interest. I imagine you meant between being a journalist and giving people exposure and then also investing in the company. Isn't that kind yeah. of the goal today to be able to have that? We don't call it a conflict of interest. We call yeah. it an engagement Synergy. platform. Synergy. Yeah. yeah. I'm still, as I said, I, I worship in the religion of transparency and truth. And I, you know, the, the world has changed, but I still, I'm still meticulous about disclosing my relationship with somebody when I do something with someone else, whatever it might be. And there's, there's a difference between journalism and media, perhaps. I don't know. But anyway, I didn't want to do that. Okay. So transparency being big, I imagine you're very big on blockchain? No. No? Why is that? It's a technology. It's not a transparency. Blockchain is good for keeping an indelible record, but you can do things and record them in blockchain, but nobody knows, was somebody pointing a gun at me at the time? What are my conflicts of interest? Blockchain doesn't have anything to do with those. It's, it's just, it's, it's a better form of a database fundamentally. It, it's a distributed record of transactions that's permanent, but it doesn't guarantee transparency. But it guarantees, or, I mean, it guarantees it's transparency. Today, right? Not really. It's what you do with it. I, I think people get way, it's just like AI. Yeah. The question is, well, what do you do with it? So, and I think ICOs are, a huge problem waiting to happen, mm-hmm. et cetera. So where, where do you see the future trends headed then? You, you've definitely got some strong views and you've definitely seen the industry and have a ton of experience. Where do you yeah. see the world headed? 
Well, first of all, a lot depends on what we do. It's not just what could happen and how. So nothing, nothing is foreordained. It depends on whether some people can persuade other people to take certain approaches. I spend a lot of time in health and healthcare, and we are heading for global sickening right now. People are more depressed, uh, badly fed, addicted, short-term oriented, and it's, it's a mess, especially if you go to the poorer parts of this country and also around the world. On the other hand, we have more knowledge now of how neuroscience works, how we can help children become resilient and do better and think long-term. So we need to have the, the strength and the wisdom to do that. Uh, so en- enough of the little speech here. Things that really fascinate me are, so first of all, the whole circle economy, which has something to do with space. If you read or saw The Martian, I love the moment where he says, I'm the best gardener on Mars. Because I mean, fundamentally, we're gardeners. We're trying to do this cycle of life and recycling and renewal because we've got finite resources on Earth. We've got energy coming in that you know, keeps coming. So that's not the problem. But we need to make sure that we can make use of that energy and not pollute ourselves out of existence. So a lot of synthetic biology, you know, lots of stuff in biology and medicine to me are fascinating. So 3D printing and what it does to logistics. I'm a New Yorker, and I've never learned how to drive, so I'm one of the biggest fans of Uber slash Lyft and autonomous vehicles and going back to Federal Express, real-time dynamic scheduling, logistics. There's there's so much we can do to, yeah, in the physical world as well as the digital world just to make things more efficient, more reusable, etc. And most of those actually make money. The, the health stuff also makes money, but only long-term. And it's a little more complicated because it's not the benefits don't necessarily go back right to the investor, which is what Way to Wealth is all about. I want to talk about that a little bit more because healthcare is broken in the U.S. right now. It's a painkiller instead of a vitamin, but a vitamin turns out to be much cheaper. Is this something where the system is just needs to be overhauled? You have a lot more experience than I do. Yeah, well, it's, the system just needs to be overhauled, right? And yeah, you know, that's the same thing you can say to your your cousin who's yeah overweight and diabetic and has some kind of substance abuse disorder and is depressed. You you need an overhaul, dude, right? But your cousin doesn't have the capacity to do that for himself. And you can say he's lazy and he should just pull himself together. Or you can say whatever happened when he was growing up, he lost the resilience and the optimism and the, the ability to delay gratification that would enable him to do all that. So how can you help him fix that? And I mean, honestly, in a sense, our healthcare system is addicted to short-term fixes because they feel good. And just like people, it doesn't think long-term because insurance companies get reimbursed. Yeah, there's a combination of the business model, which is still very short-term, and the incentives, whether it's for doctors, for insurance companies, for you know, all these rehab clinics and, and all kinds of things. And then there's a food supply where we don't price in the externalities, i.e., we tax cigarettes and alcohol for at least some of the damage that they cause. We don't tax sugary foods, and it's complicated because yeah, sugar per se is not evil. Overconsumption of sugar causes a lot of damage. So these these are the kinds of things that need fixing, and people are starting to pay attention, but there's, there's both people who are hurt by new business models because they were trying to do good. They built their businesses on the old business model and they don't want to change. There's inertia 
I even know it's good, but I don't want to change. But there's the fact that, that you can tell the patient the right thing to do and the patient won't necessarily do it. So it's, it's extremely complicated. But one of the benefits of big data is that it actually makes it easier to understand not just what you're doing, but the impact of what you're doing, whether it's positive or negative. You can compare the inputs to the predicted outputs, and we're getting much better at doing that and seeing what the long-term impact is going to be. Now we need to start acting on it. I just wanted to take a quick time out to tell you that the Syndicate Podcast comes to you from yours truly, Matt Ward, has no ads and is designed to help angel investors and tech startups succeed. We don't monetize. I do this 100% out of the goodness of my heart and the beautiful networking opportunities to get to chit-chat with some of the smartest, best angels and VCs around the globe and to help you guys. If you appreciate this, tell an angel or VC about us, refer us to a startup, or even leave a review. If you go to the syndicate.vc slash iTunes, I know it's clunky, it's terrible, but if you leave a review in there, it really helps us with reaching more angel investors and making the program as awesome as possible. If you want to learn a little bit more about us, get some more inside information, get access to our 20-step investor checklist, and get invites into all of our roundtables, including cryptocurrency, artificial intelligence, consumer tech with Tim O'Reilly, and more, go to the syndicate.vc. If you go there, subscribe, get on our email list, you'll get all of our best content delivered to you completely for free right to your email address. If you like this podcast and want more like it, thesyndicate.vc. Now, let's get on with our podcast. The challenges are always regulation. So if you look, there's three things that have gotten more expensive, time-consuming, and paperwork-wise in terms of all of industry. And those things are healthcare, education, government. And it's because they're very highly regulated. That's not only. You know, without regulation, healthcare would be a cesspool. With regulation... It's a combination of a cesspool and a kind of immobilized truck. But you, you don't want to eliminate the regulation because then you'll get a cesspool in the truck. I, you know, it's just, we need better regulation. We need more flexible regulation. We need more local control. But you know, the last thing you want is going to a store and buying medicine that you don't know what's in it. People need the freedom to experiment, et cetera. But I'm personally really happy that we have regulation so that I know what it is I'm buying. I know that it's been tested. It's, it's complicated. We could certainly throw out a lot of the regulations, but there's a lot of them that really are life-saving and beneficial. It, it, it is a challenge. The world has gotten very complicated. And so, but I wouldn't say that regulation is the sole problem. Let's, let's improve the regulation rather than throw it out entirely. The biggest problem I see is essentially it's building on a sinkhole. So I'm in Switzerland now. My wife is Swiss. And I signed up for health insurance, mm-hmm. completely transparent, tells you every single thing that has to be covered, completely different than the U.S. It took five minutes. It's significantly cheaper. The healthcare is so much better. And it's because the base, the basement's been built. In the U.S., it's almost like everything's falling apart. And the question is, will the whole, the- theoretically, the whole could drag down the country in terms of talent coming to the U.S. Because we were moving to the U.S., we were planning on it. And then we found out giving birth was going to cost $100,000 if the health insurance decided not to pay. And it's just... It's complicated, and I don't know your situation. I also know that it's not just the healthcare system. It's, it's all the social stuff that Switzerland puts in there so that people are healthier in the first place, yeah, like childcare, uh, like access to yeah, better education. As I said earlier, your, your cousin with the problems. You know, he may be a rich white guy who had a troubled childhood, but he also may be a poor person who had a crappy school whose mother worked three jobs, who had no health care because all her jobs were part-time. I mean, who knows what? But in, in Europe, and especially in the sort of 
Switzerland, Scandinavian countries, you have a lot of social benefits before you ever get near a hospital. And that makes the cost of healthcare lower. It's also much easier when you have a small country and lots of money. Yes. And a lot more, you know, there's, it's much simpler. So I was born in Switzerland. Really? I didn't know that. What part? Yeah. Zurich. I'm in Zurich now. Okay. Yeah. So it's, it's beautiful, but it's really boring. It's not as, yeah, it's, it's got regulation to believe me, try and do certain things. And if you were a woman until, I don't know, 20 years ago, try voting. So it's. Oh, it's definitely not ideal here. I just bring up some yeah. of the, some of the differences. The benefits. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I want to, I want to transition a little bit. Mm-hmm. You've, you've made a couple of incredible investments. What would you say was the hardest one for you to say yes on that turned out to be an awesome win? Wow. I'm, you know, I, that's an interesting question. So I, I can go through a few of them, but the ones that have turned out. So Facebook, it was, I think it was through an investment with Mayfield. Square was you know, Jack Dorsey. I don't know. He sent me a document or two and I signed them and got lucky. Uh, Yandex, I'm on the board of Yandex. That was, that took a while. They, this was back, I don't know, in the late 2000s. They asked me to invest and I said, yeah, but only if I can sit on the board. Cause I, again, I thought I'd learned a lot about Russia from sitting on its top search engine. So that took a few months and that's now one of the big holdings in my portfolio. It's, it's kind of random. I mean, really, it, it's so, yeah, I'm trying, I'm trying to think of a great anecdote. My, I got a, an infinite return on my second Russian investment, which was a company called Paragraph, founded by Stepan Pachikov, who then went on to found Evernote when he came to the U.S. In this case, I had introduced him to Bill Gates and Steve Jobs at my conference. So he called me up and he said, Esther, lawyer will call. He will give you 1% the company who signs the documents, yes? So I signed the documents, got 1% of the company, which you know, not a long time later, I got sold to Silicon Graphics for $50 million. And among the things I did with that money was to reinvest in, in other Russian companies. But it, it wasn't the toughest one, but it's probably a nice story. That's really cool. And then, then I ended up investing in and sitting on the board of Evernote. So that also worked out well. So you've invested pretty wide range of geographies. Do you have any that you don't touch or any that you primarily focus on? Well, China won't let me in, so that's one Really? Place. Why? Probably a combination of my being an investor in Hotspot Shield and Anchor Free, the parent company, which is a virtual private network. Great firewall. Being on the board of the Sunlight Foundation, focused on government transparency. And at the time, I mean, I'd been to China before, and then suddenly I couldn't get a visa. I uh, had written something saying Google was right to go to China to give it a try, and they're also right to leave. And of course, now they're going back with AI, but they don't tell you. And I could try again. But right now, I've been to Hong Kong a few times in the last few years and don't have a compelling reason to go to China. So that's, that's one place, at least in practical terms, I'm avoiding. Are you still investing in and Russia now? I'm still invested. I haven't made a new investment recently. But there's, you know, again, as you can sort of tell, I don't really have an audit committee that governs how I make these decisions. So I probably would not invest in Latin America just because I don't think I bring anything to the party. I speak Russian. I understand more about Africa than your average American, so I'm, I'm active there. But in Latin America, since I don't speak Spanish or Portuguese, I'm pretty much kind of useless, so why bother? You, know, you have to focus where you can add value. What's your primary mechanism for adding value? A lot of people talk about it. I have a feeling you're one of the ones that actually does it. Well, sometimes. I, I do everything from edit press releases. And so I was a proofreader in college among other things, but that was how I made money. So you know, it's, it's just like a carpenter 
we'll see your your cupboard is the door is falling off. We'll just fix it for you. So, you know, strategy introductions, uh, complaining about the product not being good enough, you know, whatever. And it's a combination of the founder needs to understand how to use you effectively and, and you as the investor understanding how you can add value without interfering too much. Yeah, it's that, it's that strange teeter-totter. You've got to get it just right. Yeah. And it's so people will complain that VCs don't invest outside their geography. But I think that actually makes sense in the sense that it's, it's so much easier to show up for lunch than to make a phone call to Switzerland, for example, and worry about time zones and you can't come over. It's, I mean, I personally think everybody should spend at least one year abroad in their life just to see the U.S. from outside. And I, I like people who are global. But at the same time, if you're not, don't pretend. And you, you just have a lot more ability to add value around things that you know. On the other hand, for example, if you've seen healthcare in Switzerland, you bring a new perspective to it in the U.S. I definitely think everyone should travel. I've spent quite a lot of time traveling. And when you travel, you learn most of the things you have are completely worthless. Most of the things you think are rules aren't actually rules. And it kind of is just survive and do it. You figure out what matters. You learn a lot. So Mm -hmm. I went to Russia first time for three weeks in 1989. And I learned so much about the United States by, oh, yeah, this doesn't have to be true. Suddenly, the stuff you take for granted, you start to ask questions. And that's, that's the first step to learning something. I, mean, I also lived in London the year I was 13, and that was the start of that. So what do you think you bring to the table in terms of an investor? Especially, you said you invest, there's no committee, there's no other people kind of holding you accountable. What are the advantages and disadvantages of that? Well, the disadvantage, obviously, is you have less money. Mm-hmm. Speaking of which, what and size checks do you typically cut, roughly? Usually 25 to 50,000. Okay. Um, the that's the primary disadvantage. I mean, and also you can, you can focus, you know, whatever you can, you can take, sorry, disadvantages, but that's the main disadvantage. Uh, but it also means that you can, you can get quite an impact. Like a large investor simply can't afford to invest in too many small things because the transaction costs are too high. The advantages are you can do weird things. You can follow your gut. You can, you're just much more flexible. No rules. I like it. Yeah. I mean, there, there are rules. But they're, yeah, but they're not, your rules. Yeah. And they're, rules, rules work best with exceptions. I mean, one, one of the great things I learned from FedEx was exception handling. 90-something of their packages, and of course now it's probably 99.x, but just went where they were supposed to, got delivered on time, everything was fine. They spent most of their time and money on the exceptions. And that kind of is life in general. Most things should just run automatically. And then the exceptions are where the interesting stuff happens, where you spend a lot of time and money, uh, but they're also where you might figure out something new or exciting because the exceptions make you ask questions. They make you figure out, well, is there a better way to do this? That, that might actually apply to the 80% that's routine. So they're, they're kind of the stuff you should focus on. Life is a series of Pareto principles. I want to jump to yeah. the lightning round. How's that, Sean Duster? Okay. Okay. Great. First question for you. What's the first deal that you did? It was. The, I think it was a company called TerraLink in Russia that still exists, uh, has not exited. It's now also gotten an investment in a drone or a, a drone product. And yeah, that's the first one. What are you excited about today? Fundamentally, I'm excited about the work I'm doing investing in health, not in healthcare and not in health companies, but actually in trying to foster health and resilience in five small communities. That's way, way to Wellville. And to show the value of that, 
so that other people can come along and scale it through policy or you know, insurance companies are starting to do some of this, the ones that think longer term. So that's, I mean, I'm really excited about trying to fix global sickening. It's very cool what you're doing. I want to talk about that a little bit more in a sec, but two biggest wins to date. Depending on how you define them, one would probably have been Perot Systems, where I got, I don't know, some small number of shares that ended up being worth $4 million, for which I basically went to two advisory board meetings, and then the company got sold to GM. That's kind of awesome. Yeah, kind of like the Russian experience. But in terms of what's in my portfolio now, it's uh, Square. Square scaling it. Yeah. What about anti-portfolio? Anybody you missed? Excuse me? Anti-portfolio? Anyone you saw, you decided not to invest, and they went big? Not. So New York Angels invested in Pinterest. I didn't. They did extremely well. But, you know, I mean, I knew Apple for years, but again, I wasn't in investor mode. So, I mean, there's nothing where I think, man, you know, I should have done that one. It screwed up my life. Nah. That's good. The regrets I mean, are not very helpful. Yeah. There's too many out there. You know, I mean, life, what people need to understand in essence is that in life, your default has to be no, because there are too many opportunities. So your goal is to maximize the opportunities that excite you rather than worry about the ones that got away. Hell yes or no. That's a, that's a good thing to live by. What, uh, what blogs, articles, podcasts, writers, et cetera, do you look to on a relatively frequent basis to stay informed? Well, I still read the Times and the Journal, the big old newspapers. I love Recode and Kara Swisher. Kara's great. I, I subscribe to the information. I read Business Insider, you know, the way one might confess to a vice. Wall Street's hottest analysts, uh, 10 ways to tuck in your shirt before a business meeting. I love their headlines. And then I read all kinds of random stuff. I mean, the stuff that I mostly read is emails about things that aren't yet in the press. You know, whether it's startups or interesting things people are doing or referrals to medical articles, stuff like that. So you accomplished quite a bunch. Do you have any great productivity hacks? So one that I wish I followed better, but it's, it's just put a sign on your desk saying, would you say yes if it was next Tuesday? Because it's so easy to agree to something in May because your calendar is empty and then you get to the end of April. So that's one. Another is there's very little you can do in a meeting of 60 minutes that you couldn't do in a meeting of 45. So schedule 45-minute meetings. Those are the, you know, I spend way too much time on email partly because I keep running into people who say, 10 years ago, I talked to you and you were so helpful. And that's kind of nice. So I don't like to just rush people off unless they didn't do their homework. So I'm an investor in a company called, their product is called, called it's Maelstrom, M-A-I-L-S-T-R-M dot co, Maelstrom dot co. 410 Labs is the name of the company. And that kind of helps you look at your email in a, in a different way and get rid of the stuff that you don't need to reply to faster. I actually got down to 30 emails in my inbox this week. Yeah. That's, that's Please solid. don't write and congratulate me. Don't worry, we won't throw your email address in the in the show notes. So you're a very successful angel investor. Why not start a syndicate? You talked about the check size that VCs have. Because then when things don't work out, I, I'm responsible. And I mean, I know I'm not legally responsible, blah, blah, blah. But I just, I don't want to people trailing after me, having to justify things. I make my decisions for myself. I don't want to be responsible for other people. Will you not invest until a certain amount of a round is done? Because if someone sees that Esther Dyson's investing, they're like, I want in. I should do that because I've learned from experience, no, do not be the only money in. The so more or less, I've learned that, yeah. 
So tell me a little bit more about what you're doing today. Where's the best place for people to learn a bit more about Way to Wellville? Thank you. It's Wellville, W-E-L-L-V-I-L-L-E dot net. And we're working in five communities around the U.S., Muskegon, Michigan, Clatsop County, Oregon, Lake County, California, North Hartford, Connecticut, and Spartanburg, South Carolina. If you come from any of theirs, those places, let us know. And we are not, it's not this nice white lady came from New York to tell you how to live. It's, there's an existing coalition of local leaders and organizations that's trying to make the place healthy. And they applied, this was in 2014, to get us to come help and kind of be coaches slash advisors. And that's what we're doing. So it's a 10-year project, ends at the end of 2024. And we're not giving them fish. We're not even teaching them how to fish. We're helping them to build their own fishing schools. And they own those fishing schools. They own the results. The goal is for us not to be necessary. And after 10 years to show this is what happens if you invest in health. Your kids are more resilient. They learn better. Your jails are empty. Your real estate offices are full. Your employers are happy. The mayor gets reelected. That kind of thing. Hit everyone's incentive structures and it works well. Yeah. And with luck, it'll inform policymaking and, and things like what insurance will pay for and so forth. And then are you open sourcing all this or having some type of oh, yeah. follow-up? I mean, it, but again, it's, it's not that we have clever ideas or huge innovations. The innovation is that we're actually helping them to do it. So it's just, just as people get addicted to substances or their cell phones or whatever, communities, and I would argue businesses, get addicted to short-term pilots. And we're trying to move them from short-term desire to long-term purpose. Completely understand. It's, I like to say, if they just change those warning labels on cigarettes from smoking can cause lung cancer to studies show smokers have 60% more, less sex, then you'd solve the problem. You have to hit on people's incentive yes. structures. Esther, thanks for coming on today. It's been really interesting talking to you. I think you're a really smart person. So I have one question for you. Okay. What's the one thing that you would like to leave people with? Piece of advice, a quote, anything. Always make new mistakes. That's a good one. That's a very good one. Esther, where's the best place? It's very old. It's a refrigerator magnet with my name on it. So, you know, with all the income I get, the thing that excites me most is like the $74.89 royalty check I get for always making new mistakes. That's a, that's a solid one. I'm going to have to write that down somewhere. That's a very, very solid one. Where's the best place for people to say, hey, you're awesome? Twitter. Twitter. At E. Dyson. At E. Dyson. And of course, guys, we'll, show, we'll throw links to everything in the show notes. Make sure you give Esther a follow. You reach out. You share. Way to Wellville, especially if you're in the area. And of course, I'm Matt Ward. It's Matt Ward on the Twitter. Unfortunately, some other guy had Matt Ward. It's your typical white guy name. So uh, yeah, would love a follow and check out thesyndicate.vc if you're interested in more awesome interviews like this one. Thanks, Esther. Thank you very much. Awesome. Cheers, guys. Okay, perfect. Thanks for listening to The Syndicate, the podcast where angel investors and VCs go off the cuff and discuss the ins and outs of the venture ecosystem. We're here to share the tips and tricks of the best in the business, because startups and tech make the pie bigger. To learn more about us and what we do, visit thesyndicate.vc. And to join our syndicate on AngelList, just go to thesyndicate.vc slash join and get access to some of the best startup deals. This has been another episode of The Syndicate. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you guys again next week.